Welcome to the Relationships Matter podcast. I'm your host, Dan Doster. Are you considering a career change? Don't go it alone. Come, join the discussion, and listen as my mid-career guests discover and reveal their decision-making process to move from successful business jobs to consulting, entrepreneuring, or taking early retirement. Welcome to the show. The process of mid-career change can happen in business and in church environments. My guest today is Terry Wright, a friend and pastor. He was zipping along in his career when suddenly he paused to consider a change. After trying several other career ideas, Terry returned to serving as a pastor, but this time with a greater sense of how best to use his skills and talents to engage not only his local congregation, but also a wider regional and national audience. I know you will enjoy hearing about his journey. Welcome to the show, Terry. Hey, thanks, Dan. Great to be with you. So tell me about your background. Uh, What are some of the highlights in your career thus far? Yeah, well, of course, like many people, it started with education. Um, So I got a uh, Bachelor of Science in uh, Communications from Union University, which is in Jackson, Tennessee. Then um, spent a hitch in the Army, which really helped hone some leadership skills. Uh, The Army is uh, very good at a lot of things, but they're really good at building and shaping leaders, and um, particularly in crisis situations. (laughs) Because, you know, the definition of war is organized chaos. So they they train you to operate within organized chaos. And... um, yeah, so that was good. I, I, you know, was able to win a few awards there as a company grade officer. So that was fun. After that, went to graduate school, went to seminary. Um, that was fun. During that time, however, a great work opportunity. I was on staff at a church that ran over 4,000 people, had about a 50-person staff, and I was part of the senior team. And so that was just a real great experience and uh, being immersed in um, sort of a larger church, a larger corporation uh, uh, environment and understanding how all that works. Um, Then after that, I would say um, two or three big highlights would have been uh, my time at Patterson Park Church, which is in Beaver Creek, Ohio, Uh, when it went into an interim situation and uh, the church did not have a lot of momentum. um, And we saw, I don't know, probably a 20% growth maybe in 13 months. Wow. Yeah. So that was very, uh, very encouraging. Uh, then after that, uh, I think my time at Duns Creek, which is a church at, here in Florida, uh, we saw, I don't know, we grew from 120 or 30 to 550 um, in a matter of seven years. <clears throat> that was a lot of um, that was a, a lot of fun. Some great stuff going on there. Um, and now, just most recently, uh, planning a church, Grace Fellowship, uh, in a small, rural, poor community. And um, seeing pretty good growth with that uh, and pretty high impact. Uh, our county leads the state or we're in the top three in the state of state of all the negative indicators <laughs> that they look that they look for in a community. Right. Wow. Poverty, education, spousal abuse, uh, uh, homeless kids. I mean, we're in the, we're in the, the top three and, and all of those categories, one, two or three. We probably have 10, 15 percent of our community. Maybe 20% would be considered white collar. That is probably high. Um, the rest would be blue collar workers, and that would be representative in our church. Um, 
socioeconomically, um, again, we're sort of below that midpoint as far as average household, household income. So that would be reflected in our giving and, um, and sort of how we play out ministry. High relational area. Um, relationships are key in this area. People will make decisions um, on relationships over against everything else. Funny, we have a, uh, a one guy owns all the car dealerships. And <laughs> you, you, you don't always get the best deal when you don't have competition, right? I, I think I've talked to a group that gets that, right? So, so in the absence of competition, you're not always going to get the best deal. But because he is relationally connected to the community, very few people go outside the community to buy their cars, even though they're paying more, even though they're paying more and they don't really have the money to pay it. Wow. How about so relationships, that? Yeah, relationships really are a driver here. They really are. Well, so, so, uh, so let's focus in a little bit about your mid-career. Uh, what brought you to the point mid-career uh, where you had to decide what next? Um, I know that's uh, probably for you, it's been a couple of years ago, but uh, at the point, uh, the, the pivotal moment where you were deciding about your future direction, you know, right. t- tell me about that part, the decision-making process. Yeah. Um, about 10 years ago, I'm 56. So I was 46. I was approaching, you know, I was in that midlife area and just had sort of a midlife breakdown. Um, and it manifests in a lot of ways. Um, uh, left the church I was at, um, and sat home on the online, started really thinking through, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Is, is this the right thing for me going forward for the rest of my days? And, um, I ran in a lot of different directions. I tried my hand in sales and marketing, enjoyed it. Uh, Don't think I was in the right fit necessarily as far as product and services that I was selling, but um, it was enjoyable, but that didn't fully satisfy. Um, Then I tried my hand at doing some speaking around the country, loved that, uh, but um, had never really done that before. So I listened to a lot of guys like Simon Sinek and Seth Godin and, uh, those guys and uh, really tried to learn um, how to ask the right questions to come up with the right content to hopefully impact the right people. Right. And, <laughs> well, and, yeah. well yeah. along, along the way, did, didn't you remind me, didn't you do something in politics around that time? I, oh yeah, I did. Yeah. I was elected to our school board, local school board, uh, two terms. Uh, and that was really gratifying and, and, and uh, it was wonderful but everyone listening who's ever done anything in politics, here's what you know. Um, you want to do great things. And then when you get in there, you realize that there's so much of a jungle to try to push through to get something good done uh, that it, it becomes very frustrating. But I did do that for eight years. Yeah, that was something that um, that I tried my hand in. Liked it, just wasn't able to get done um truly what needed to be done. And that was some insurance issues for the district. And so um, just wasn't able to push that through. So, uh, but tried that. Um, I I think some of the things I read that really mattered. Um, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why. And that really helps you sort of define yourself and your purpose. Um, Of course, Rick Warren wrote a a great book called Purpose uh, Purpose Ventures and then then, um, 40 Days of Purpose, talking about a purpose-driven life. And um, that had a big impact. Um, Seth Godin's book on tribes really helped because as I began to look at reaching out through social media, Internet and that kind of stuff, it, you, you get in your mind that that I have to have, you know, tens of thousands of people 
to keep hmm. doing what I want to do and, and to monetize it and to make it happen. But, but Seth Godin was very clear. He said, look, if you get a thousand people committed to you and what you're doing, who will help a little bit every month, either by buying a product or something, uh, you get to keep doing what you love to do. Mm. You, it, does, it doesn't take a million people. It, it takes a thousand people. Mm. And in the nonprofit world, which is the world I operate in, he, he did say, he said, okay, that might be 2000 in the nonprofit world. You mm. know, that, that number might be a little bit higher. And, and so uh, those were some messages that really began to shape my mind to help me refocus and uh, reimagine what, what the second half of life would look like. Because I was, hey, when you're 45, 46, you're halfway by, by any measure. <laughs> <laughs> by any measure, you're sort of halfway. So, um, so those so you, so you So you started to pivot around and you, and yeah. you started uh, to. Uh, things. I, you know, I did some marketing stuff. Traveled for a company, tried that, didn't work. Uh, did some speaking, got to travel a lot. I didn't price myself right, and uh, I almost went broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll just—I well, mean, again, because if you're looking at a, a mid-course correction or or, or changing direction, uh, you you've got to do your homework. And I I did not do mine well, though I have a pricing expert as a best friend. I did not. I did not lean on him. <laughs> I did not lean on him. Missed opportunity. I, I, well, okay. And I, I, here's here's where the breaking point came going down that road. I got on a plane in Jacksonville and I was gone for nine days. I went to California. I went to DC. I went back to Atlanta. I spoke five, six times. And I, and I came home with $2,000. Oh, uh, exhausting. Well, and broke. <laughs> and, 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 and so what I learned is um, one of the reasons, particularly for me in that mid-career pivot, um, that I didn't price myself well is um, I, I felt like I was an imposter. I had the imposter syndrome. Mm. I didn't I didn't feel like because I hadn't spent the first part of my life doing it. I felt like going into a room with 300 people, which I did numerous times, that I didn't deserve thirty five hundred dollars for that speech. So I didn't ask it. OK, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else would have asked it. Right. <laughs> yes. But, but, but <laughs> right. And, and would have gotten it. And but I didn't. And, and so um, I wasn't able to keep doing it uh, because. Um, I had this imposter syndrome going that that I felt like I was imposing. I was a poser. I wasn't real in that area, even though from a skill set level, I was at least capable. You know, my content was good. People enjoyed it. Um, so there was no external factor saying that I wasn't legit, but it was mm-hmm. internal. Because what you battle in that, in, in that mid-year shift and pivot, you battle yourself. The fight is within. It is not without. Oh, isn't that and, the truth? Yeah. And so you can you can get the information. You can get all the stuff that you need. They're great books. The Internet now, particularly YouTube, is a phenomenal resource. There's really smart people out there. Podcast, hello. Great resource. <laughs> great resource for what you want to do. And um, I didn't, uh, um, you know, made a mistake on pricing. But really, the big thing was internally. I just I wasn't sure um, that I was legit. In retrospect, I was. But. So, so, so you, uh, 
you process through and tried a series of things. Yes, that's right. And and uh, but then you settled in, and and so tell me about kind of this last, uh, if I don't know, five six years where you've kind of settled into a role. How did yeah. you come about to 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 get there, and uh, how does it feel this this yeah. last five years? Yeah, part of my breakdown at, at ten years ago was the fact I felt um, I had feelings of. Um, of being stifled. I had feelings of, um, of, of hopelessness that things would get better or change or grow. I had, I had feelings of, um, being sidelined, being, being dead ended. I don't know if those words make sense, but, um, so that's part of what started driving me, um, into this, this mid career breakdown. And, and then as I began to, um, reconsider what the second half would look like mm-hmm. um, in time. I cycled back around to ministry. Um, one, because it's a faith thing, right? I mean, you pray, you seek the Lord. And um, as, as, as a Christian, I'm a Christian and uh, you believe God's made you for a purpose. Uh, sometimes we forget it. Uh, sometimes we um, don't value it mm-hmm. like we should. Um, yeah. God, God makes you for a purpose. And so, um, so as I started to process that, and then people again, like Seth Godin and, and Simon Sinek and, um, Malcolm Gladwell and guys like this who speak to the broader shifting change of culture and opportunity, uh, because, uh, you know, only Sinek's uh, the young guy out of that group. Okay. Those three are our age or older. So, so they've seen the change too. Sure. And, and, and what reignited a passion in me, Dan, to to pivot back to where I started <laughs> was technology, mm. was social platforms. It was the fact, even though I'm in Putnam County, Florida, with 73,000 people in the whole county, and we're the leading you know, negative indicators in the state, I can go on a podcast with my friend Dan and have exposure to thousands or tens of thousands. Um, I can go on YouTube and if marketed right, if if my message is good, I can find my tribe to quote Seth Godin. I can find my tribe and that's right. might be 500, a thousand or 2000. So the, 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 the proliferation, I guess, of technology and social platforms really ignited a passion in me again for Mm. what I believe to be the most important message in all the world. So, so in addition to, we'll say returning to a church ministry environment, you've stepped it up and enhanced it by adding additional technology, additional methods of communicating. Uh, So uh, tell me, push me forward a little bit in the next three to five years. What's the plan? What is it you want to get done? Yeah. um, And, and, and working on this, I, you know, here's what needs to happen. And I believe will happen. Um, I will be able to communicate on all major social platforms via my the church and well as a ministry I have called Grace for Your Journey, uh, G4J, and um, a little you know secular project that I enjoy, which is dealing with change management. Uh, matter of fact, got a little book coming out real soon on 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 change personalities and um, how that matters, and I think that'll help some people. And and so three to five years. I fully expect to be producing content every day 
and producing multiple types of content every day. Uh, mm. I absolutely love producing content. I, I mean, I love it. I mean, I, I, I didn't, and, and I guess I, you know, I would say to anyone out there, you know, you've done what you've done and um, you're at the point where you're shifting, right? Um, but don't be so fast to run away. Mm. Take a minute and look and see if the landscape has changed and you just weren't aware of it because see, that's what happened to me. The landscape had changed all these social media platforms and opportunities to produce content and get it to billions of people across the globe every day was there. And I just didn't understand it. And, and, and it's possible somebody's in a career field that, and, and really their problem is they're bored or they feel like they've topped out because sure. there's nowhere else to go. Well, the landscape may have changed outside of your box. Yep. And, and, and so, you know, it did in mind. I mean, that was my story. I had no idea. And, you know, I do these things every morning, the grace free journey stuff. And we have people listening seriously from all over the country, from New York and Pennsylvania to Oregon this morning. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Isn't that great? Uh, it, well, it's a, it, technology changes everything. There's no everything. doubt about that. And I, I love your advice to others that uh, sometimes it's necessary to to pause and to take enough time to consider not only have I changed, but how has the environment changed as well? And it can yeah. be really powerful to to help guide a person to the to the right next step. The way you understand that is to listen to people that maybe you haven't been listening to. And, and for me, it meant getting out of listening to ministry people and listening to thought leaders, people who specialize in thinking. Um, and that's what the guys I've mentioned do. They're, they're thinkers. And, and um, though they never directly addressed my world. I mean, I don't know if any of them are even Christians. I, I don't know what their faith background is. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Right. But they, they helped me learn to think. And when, when you learn to think, you begin to problem solve. And, and so people who feel like they're, they're butting their head against the wall right now, that, that, that there's a ceiling on top of them and they can't break through it. If, if somebody can help you think differently, it'll be amazing the problems you get to solve internally. So, you know, you know I think uh, – th- thank you for joining us today. I think we ought to do this again after you get your book done. I think uh, this audience would would enjoy uh, hearing a little bit more about um, uh, change and yeah. how that affects us. Uh, yeah, and how people respond and react to change very differently because it's a basic hardwiring of our, our lives. We, we have personality bents. Now, that doesn't mean you're stuck, but it does mean you have to admit that and then plan, plan a, a growth plan and uh, get through it. So, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. Oh, man, thank you, Dan, for having me. My thanks to Terry for joining us today. Terry reminded us of the importance of considering that your context may have changed even when the same job and job title is still the best place to remain. This brings us to the end of the Relationships Matter podcast. I'm your host, Dan Doster. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out via email, dan.relationshipsmatter at gmail.com. And remember, as my dad always said, the fun is in the run. Music